It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of Fans First Sports Network. I am your host, Evan Lang, and joining me today, as always, is my partner in crime, Skylar Timmons. Uh, I didn't get the memo to wear a red shirt today. It's okay, you're promoting the merchandise. I got it. <laughs> Rocky-Mountain-Rooftop.Spreadshirt.com. Buy one today. And uh, Kenneth Weber joining us today. How are you doing, Kenneth? I'm good. I deliberately sent that memo to Skyler about the red shirt, but I just don't think he checks his inbox. So <laughs> I've been better, I guess. It happens. And you know who else has been better? The Rockies. Oh, boy, what a season it's been. We're, we're uh, careening towards the end of the first half here with the All-Star break coming up. Uh, very, very soon. At time of recording, the Rockies have just two games left to play, both against the San Francisco Giants before we hit the All-Star break. It's uh, it's not been pretty. Well, let's, let's be honest about that. It's been a fairly ugly season for the Rockies so far, on pace for their first 100-loss season. Um, lots of you know, fan frustration, fan apathy. Uh, the pitching is, let's be honest, bad especially that rotation is just been absolutely brutal um 
But on the bright side, we do have one all-star. And, you know, unfortunately, it has to do with the fact that all teams are required to have one all-star named to the uh, National and American League teams. But we still have one. And it's not that he is not deserving. Um, So we congratulate catcher Elias Diaz as the lone Rockies all-star representative for this season and definitely deserving of that spot. He is the first catcher in Rockies history to ever be named an all-star. Uh, guys, what are your take on Elias Diaz as the Rockies All-Star? It's pretty exciting. Because, like you said, there's a lot of things been terrible about this season. Uh, but Elias Diaz has been one of those bright spots all season where he's just really put it all together. Offensively, defensively, he's been doing well. And so it, he seemed kind of like the shoe-in when we were talking about this kind of thing back in May. Where, oh yeah, Elias Diaz is probably going to probably going to get in maybe somebody else could squeak in ahead of him but it's just good to see him he's been working hard and everything that he's gone through in his career and kind of the ups and downs trying to establish himself for him to to get recognized here this season finally no it's pretty good it's good for him and one of those little bright spots and hey it's it's history first catcher to do it which is pretty cool yeah, I, it kind of speaks to like the history of the position for the Rockies mm-hmm. uh, on on one hand, because for him to be the first catcher ever when you're 30 years in is a little crazy. Um, but for the season as a whole, I mean, it's kind of been a very incompetent season and the offense has not been um, devoid of that. And he's been the most consistent hitter the entire season for the lineup. So um, some of the injuries to like Suter uh, helped his case, I think, a little bit because there was some competition for that, you know, one Rockies nomination. But he's been the most consistent hitter. He's been basically either the second or third best catcher in the National League all season long. So it is a deserving recognition, even if it is kind of on that redheaded stepchild nomination for the Rockies needing someone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I like about the, everybody having at least one rep. Because every team does have a guy that's played to an all-star level, even if their team is terrible and no, they don't have the the popularity nationally to get the to get votes, like we see with was it eight Braves or eight All-Star Braves this season, or that one year where the entire starting American League lineup was pretty much the the Royals, or we get so many you know, Blue Jays that are in the finals or finalists or make the roster and everything. So it's good that. There's a way still to recognize, yeah, you play on a crap team right now, but you've been spectacular, and uh, it, I like that. And then we pretty much just get the slew of new guys getting added in every other day because uh, people injured or sitting out on the All-Star game. Yeah, and this isn't, like like y'all said, this isn't the 1899 Cleveland Spiders. Like, every team is going to have at least one guy who's deserving. You know, even the the Oakland Athletics have guys who are deserving like you look at uh estuary ruiz who has stolen like 45 bases already this season there's a guy on every team doing something interesting um fun aside the 1899 cleveland spiders everyone always says at the beginning of the season oh we're gonna have a new worst team in baseball history that record will never be broken because it is impossible to replicate that scenario for those who are not aware the uh, the same guy owned both the Spiders and the St. Louis Browns, and he basically strip mined 
all of the talented players throughout the entire season off of the spiders onto the Browns. And that mm. is why they only won 20 games in a 154 game season. Never going to happen again. It's impossible. But, you know, Elias Diaz has been one of the best players on the Rockies this season. He's got 1.6 R war per baseball reference, uh, which is third best on the team right now. He definitely had the best offensive start of anybody on the team and has been a, a really solid defensive contributor where, you know, he was recognized as well, where I think he came in third or fourth overall for fan voting at the position as well. You know, obviously one and two was uh, Will Smith and Sean Murphy, but the fact that Diaz was getting some recognition from fans as one of the better catchers out there, I think speaks volumes to him being named the team. Now, is it a perfect system? No, because Ryan McMahon, who is one of the best third basemen in the league right now, did not even crack top 10 for fan voting and has not been named to the team in any capacity, which is a, a real bummer to see because he's been great. He's almost at three war on the season already. And we're just about at the halfway point. If he's playing the way he has, he could have like a, a five or six war season. Um, so, you know, disappointing that he probably, you know, there's still time that he could be named as an injury replacement or somebody else drops out or something. But it's probably not going to happen. And then you have, uh, I think Ezekiel Tovar had at least somewhat of a chance of getting recognized because he, especially since May and onward, has really turned it on. And we'll talk about him a little bit more later. But he is the the second best player on the team by um, our war, according to baseball reference, at 1.7. So, you know, those are the those are the guys to me where position players for the Rockies, those are our guys who are deserving of being uh, all-stars at this point. You know, I I don't think we really had any shot of any pitchers being named. Even if Suter had stayed healthy, I, I just don't think it was going to happen. Um, but it is it is really nice to see, at the very least. Mm-hmm. At some point, they just need to adjust the all-star stuff where – no, run it like the Senate where everybody gets two reps and then your two de- delegates to the game itself. And then you can name all stars who won't necessarily participate in the game, but they just get the honor of, hey, you're an all star this year. Come to the festivities, but you're not going to play with us. Like first team and second team all stars. Yeah, something like that. I like how yeah. Scholar's idea to make the system less corrupt and more efficient is comparing it to the Senate. <laughs> yeah, because that's going so that's been going yeah. so well. Yeah, seamless America. Yo, uh, hey, politics talk on uh, affected <laughs> by altitude. My my wild card for the whole process was also Justin Lawrence. Um, if he was able to start racking up some saves down the stretch and was just nasty and on pitchy ninja and good numbers at the baseline too, I totally could have seen him um, getting a nod. For it. And then Suter just had such pretty stats for the majority of the season that he did seem like a realistic option, but the injury kind of um, held him back. Uh, I don't know. It's it's fine. It's the All-Star game. It's an exhibition, so I don't get overly worked up you know, about it. Um, I think that every player in every interview that I hear about always talks about watching as a kid, and I think that there is something to that. And I think having the one you know lone Rockies representative, someone's going to remember like uh, Elias Diaz and you know, him being an all-star. So it's important for that narrative. But yeah, the the whole all-star process, I was watching the Tigers game yesterday and they were all about Michael Lorenzen getting in the all-star nod. And I'm like, Lorenzen's an all-star, huh? So uh, he's not um, even the guy I would have, I liked Lorenzen. He's not even the guy I would have picked from the Tigers. 
I like him too. Don't get me wrong, but it, it speaks to the the process as a whole, and it, it speaks to it. But at the end of the day, it's an exhibition game. It's not worth getting that worked up over. And there is a a, a deserving bit of history for Diaz being named the first catcher All Star in Rockies history. So there is you know some coolness in that. Yeah, like I've said, if Elias Diaz was just four years younger, if he was twenty eight years old instead of thirty two we would be talking about how set we are at the catching position for the future. And, you know, unfortunately he came to us later in his career and, and he's older. And now uh, I believe next year at the end of his contract, and we're, we're going to have to start talking about what to do with him. Very similarly to uh, us talking about CJ Crone last year. Um, and we'll talk about the trade deadline here in, in a hot minute. But yeah, third third straight year where the Rockies have just one um, named All Star. Twenty twenty one was Armand Marquez last year, like I just said, CJ Krohn, and now this year Elias Diaz. And you know there is, like I said, there is still time for more people to drop out and and more people to be named. But there are other people that are probably going to get named as replacements before Ryan McMahon or Tovar or, or J Law or or any of those guys, which is unfortunate, but it. It just is is kind of how the system works, um, well, but at the same lot, time, that speaks a lot to fact of just the like the repping because it's the longest streak in history for the Rockies of three straight years, and from like 2013 to 2021, like the Rockies had a good stretch of two to three, even four guys going to games, going to the All Star game, and they've had a pretty rich history of sending multiple guys. And I think it's kind of one of those things where we don't have the standout. Oh yeah, this is the lock-in of the perennial all-star anymore. You know, the, the severe lack of popul- popular star power the Rockies have. There's guys that have potential maybe in the future, uh, but you know we're we're far removed from the days of Troy Tulowitzki, Carlos Gonzalez, and, and Nolan Arenado being the perennial all-stars. Well, they had a big they had a big idea on who that one guy was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That that has not been the case, though. Yep. Didn't uh, another guy who didn't really crack voting at all. Um, I think there was a possibility where we could have had two this year if Charlie Blackman had stayed healthy. He was actually doing pretty well in um, fan voting for designated hitter because he really is right now the most recognizable name on this team. Um. He he was like sixth or seventh, I think, in fan voting for DH at some point. Um, but you know, with that broken hand, that that just wasn't going to happen after after a little bit. Also and it really is Bryce Harper. And it really is a bummer because, like, you think as as close back as as 2019, we had four All Stars. David Dahl, baby. That that one crazy David Dahl year before things just. Um, broke down for him unfortunately or you know 2018 we had three 2017 we had four um you know the fewest we had had before this before the streak was um in 2016 we only had two and that was nolan and cargo Uh and before that it was 2012 was the last time we had had just one one all-star and i think that was cargo it was indeed cargo, and then before that, I think 2011 was just too low. Yeah, you're um, still just waiting for the core to actually become established major leaguers, and I think that the all-star nominations reflect that. 
Do you really think that the sustainable core is going to be CJ Crone and Jose Iglesias? Like, that's kind of what we were throwing out there last year. So, no, I mean, you're not – it it shows the, the kind of uh, mediocrity that the roster has been churning out over the past couple of seasons. And then the the big idea is you get a Zach Veen, you get a Ezekiel Tovar, you get maybe a Jordan Beck, Betty Montgomery, whatever. You have those three, four, five, six core position pieces, and that's that's been what the Rockies have been selling for two or three years now. So Yeah. And and the results of this All-Star game also go to show you um, how important the youth movements have been for teams. Uh-huh. You've got multiple rookies uh, in the All-Star game on both sides. You've got um, Jonah Himes, not a rookie anymore, but he's in, what, his second career season? And he's, he's the starting catcher. You've got um, Josh Jung, uh, the third baseman for the Rangers, starting. You've got, on the National League side, Corbin Carroll in his rookie season starting. And the the youth movement is so important. It's like you know, Tovar had a chance. And I'll give the Rockies that, that they've been playing Tovar all season and let him work out the kinks early in the season. And now he is showing just how good he is. But imagine if we had had guys like Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle playing all season and really getting a chance to, you know, get out there and strut their stuff instead of the the core of adequate veterans that we've been sending out over the last couple of years. The core of adequate veterans is my least favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, it didn't uh, didn't do very good at the box office. <laughs> it flopped like the Flash. I mean, some people went just because, you know, it's nice out during the summer and you want to leave the house. But uh... <laughs> do you think that movie would be better or worse than The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? It couldn't be worse. <laughs> you see, I have a soft spot in my Sean heart Connery's career. <laughs> for The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I do. But I also recognize that it is a truly bad film. The game is on. <laughs> I chose this role over being Gandalf. <laughs> this movie ended my career. I'm not well, doing Kenneth, this accent. Kenneth, but you have to am, do, Kenneth, we both did it. You have to do the Connery. How is Orlando Arcia the starting shortstop? There we go. Now there's the action that we were looking for. And meanwhile, people are complaining that Francesco Lindor didn't get named to the team above Gerardo Perdomo. But uh, Lindor has been hot lately. Lately, but his uh, his start of the season was pretty pretty tough versus. Perdomo was a little bit more even keeled. I think both of them are more than deserving. I I like Perdomo a lot, and he's defensively been fantastic. Sure. There's name recognition, and I I give credence that that gets into the All-Star game. Otherwise, you don't have the moment with the Cal Ripken Jr. in 01 or something like that. Like Name branding is part of it because ultimately this is an exhibition that sells the game for the league. Um, So having Lindor in there, especially for a pretty disappointing Met squad, that's fine. Yeah. It's the, well, clamoring it, for it, I should say. It's it's the same as um, there was a little bit of backlash over um, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners mm-hmm. being being named. And, you know, some, some folks were like, oh, why Jared? I was like, I'll tell you why Jared is because not only is he good, the game is in Seattle and he brings name recognition. Yep. 
Because like at the end of the day, whether it's from fans or whether it's from the players and coaches, it is a popularity contest. That's what all all-star games are. And even if sometimes you get the most talented and the best players on, the most talented and the best players on also tend to be the most popular. And it's also why, like Skylar mentioned, we get weird outliers like how there are eight Atlanta Braves on the team this year. And and I, I've said, you know, if I wanted to see eight Atlanta Braves on a starting roster, I would go watch an Atlanta Braves game and not the all-star game. But unfortunately, that's just sort of how it goes. Uh-huh. Also, all these are better arguments than the one person that was like, Ellie De La Cruz should be an all-star. Ellie De La what? Cruz has been here for a week and a half. And while he's been very fun. Yeah. I am all right with putting him in the home run derby, however. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, something like that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bummed that there's no not going to be any Rockies in the Derby this year, but but well, that's been the case for more often than not. Yeah, I am two, not bummed. Two two years at this point, I think. Last uh, last rep was Trevor Story in 2021, and that was at Coors Field. That was a fun home run derby. Like, I don't know. Did did either of you guys get a chance to watch that or go to that? Yeah, I went. I also went and the the D the no humidor super juiced up balls on a hot summer day at Coors Field and Shohei Otani and other guys just cranking dingers up past the third deck onto the rooftop. Man, that was a lot of fun. Like that should be a special event in its own right, is the Coors Field home run derby or something. None of that home run derby X or whatever that they keep trying to push. And I have yet to find a single person that cares even a little about it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, uh, it just feels, it feels like planned marketing. How do I mean, we, it is, it is planned marketing, but you'd think they'd plan it to no, blatant care. Oh, bland. I thought you said planned marketing. Oh man. If you throw an X at the end of something like this is a bad attempt at like Nickelodeon reaching teens or something like even worse, they could have just thrown a home run derby plus at the end of it. Yeah. Right. On streaming home run derby and home run derby plus brought to you by the X games and rocket power. And then, Home Run Derby X, the funnest event of 1997. Hosted What's by Nick Cannon. Watching an Instagram influencer try to hit a home run. I can think of a lot of things. <laughs> but, but we're hey, going to take... Uh, Tyler Mon. Tyler Mon is pretty great. Um, I don't understand why they don't give him more stuff to do. They should have had him or, or somebody um, as the announcers for the, uh, the Britain series because... He was fantastic in the uh, in the World Baseball Classic. Monster is awesome. All righty. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, the, the thing after the All-Star break that everyone's going to be talking about is the trade deadline. And um, we are nothing if not followers in that plan. So we will be talking trade deadline right after this. Don't go anywhere. Extreme. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Uh, thanks for sticking around through the ad break. I'm Evan Lang. With me is Skylar Timmons and Kenneth Weber. And fellas, we're less than a month away from the trade deadline. And I think a lot of fans, especially the more, I don't want to say hardcore fans, but the more devoted fans are going to be very disappointed if the Rockies do not follow a specific path at this trade deadline. And that is getting rid of as many people as they possibly can. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I made a little list of basically everyone that needs to be traded and people they should at least hear offers on. And it gives you like at least 30% of this current roster needs to go. You get one and a half. Uh, so, like the Patrick Saunders article from the other day is not encouraging because it's just Bill Schmidt kind of you know spinning the tires again um, on what the plan has been over the past two, three seasons. And it's uh, we understand we have a, a few pieces. Uh, we don't think that we'll be get, getting adequate value for a pro far for a Kritchik or a Crone, which indicates that their idea is something significant in return. When the reality of the situation is you just get rid of them for anything at all, like a sack of marbles is totally cool. And so one, it I think it it already shows that they're probably going to have a um, skewed perspective on uh, their own talent. And then two, when it comes to some of the easier trade chips, like in the bullpen, uh, it was already talking about Brett Suter would be better if he returns after next season. We see long term and then we're going to ask the moon for Elias Diaz. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think you get like a reliever traded and it's going to be somebody towards the back of the bullpen. Brad Hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Brad and for a player to be named later is like the trade that we're setting it's up so for. it's so frustrating because like you know bill bill schmidt saying you know we're going to try and trade some relievers we are listening on position players but we don't think there's adequate value there is no value to be had in some of these guys you know i like jerks and profile as a person but he's got negative war and is is not hitting that well and is drastically overpaid for his performance. You know, you got CJ Crone, who's on a who's on a reasonable deal in the last year of his deal, but he has been injured a large part of the season. He was pretty bad the last half of last season, and he's gone at the end of this year and not coming back. So get what you can for any of these guys, and it's just so frustrating. 
basically the only way I'm going to be happy with this team is if they make at least if they trade at least three guys. And I think that's low for what they actually need to do. But the fact that they're probably only going to trade one or potentially none is like it makes you want to give up on this team because you know that they are never going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you mentioned, Kenneth. Like this has been a problem for the Rockies is over <laughs> they overvalue everything that they have in their system. You know, whether it be prospects or, or guys on the big league roster, you know, we don't get adequate you know, offers. Then it, why aren't you? What are their real expectations? You're not going to get a you know a, a number one overall prospect, a top ten prospect for Jerickson Profar or CJ Crone. Look for more trades like with Mike Mustakis, which we Evan and I had talked about this. It was a little surprising that they actually made a trade and and moved Mike Mustakis. And another pitcher they got, he's made a couple of starts down at, with Spokane, pretty solid. No, he, yeah. he has that potential. Big, be right. I still don't know how to say his name. Uh, uh, Connor Van Skuyk. Uh, Connor Van. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's exactly right. It's like you need to realize that you are not going to get a top, even top thirty prospect for the majority of the guys that you have. But that does not mean that you are not going to find value. You look at Connor Van Skoyek or, and we'll talk about this um, potentially a little bit later and, and maybe in our minor league show as well. You look at the three pitchers who just got promoted to AAA Albuquerque that I wrote about earlier this week, Evan Justice, Dugan Darnell, and uh, Michael Peterson. None of them are top 30 prospects in this organization, but there is value to them and they have been good. And that's, it's so frustrating. It's like like the both of you said, the Rockies always overvalue and they always every year they go, well, oh, we didn't think we were going to get good value in return or we're not getting good offers. It's like you need to look at what the common denominator in that is. And that is us. You know, if every single team is allegedly not providing an adequate return, then you look at it and go, well, no, it's the Rockies who are wanting too much. And, and that's what drives me crazy because. You know, Brad Hand is, is probably not going to get you a, a top 30 prospect unless a team is truly desperate for a lefty reliever. But you can still trade him and get something. You can trade any of these guys and get something. The The list that I, I made is that you have you have six guys that you need, you need to get rid of that cannot still be on this team after the trade deadline. And that's CJ Krohn, Randall Gritchick, Harold Castro, Jerickson Profar, Brad Hand, and Pierce Johnson. None of those guys should be on this team after August 1st. And then you just look and go, they're probably all still going to be here, aren't they? You know, Harold Castro, for whatever reason, is still getting the lion's share at second base. And granted, it's it's possible his time might be numbered because uh, Brendan Rodgers is actually expected to play this season. But you can get potentially something for Castro. He's been solid enough that you could probably get a player, a minor league player for him. You know, not, it's not going to be anybody who's going to blow your doors off, but you can get something. Same with, same with Profar. If you're willing to maybe eat a little bit of that contract, you could mo- maybe get it um, a little bit better of a return. But everybody on that list needs to be gone. And then other guys... 
Brent's Brent Suter, I have the unpopular opinion that I wouldn't mind hanging on to Brent Suter if and only if the Rockies execute on the other trades. Because I like Brent Suter, and if they can retain him for decent value and still trade off a bunch of other guys, then I do think he is a valuable piece to have as a very well-liked veteran clubhouse and bullpen presence in a bullpen that is going to get much, much younger next year. I'm okay with him staying only if we deal a bunch of other guys. But the problem is we're not going to do that. And then for guys where if people are asking, you field offers on Elias Diaz and Daniel Bard. I know the Rockies love both of them, but if people are giving you offers, you have to think about those offers. Mm -hmm. And then you have your two guys who are impossible to move um, right now in Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman. You're you're not going to move either of those. Charlie Blackman having been hurt and still being owed a decent chunk of change for the rest of this season. And then Chris Bryant with his performance injuries and gigantic contract, you cannot move him at all. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. And for a team that claims to be a draft and develop, develop type of organization, their reluctance to clear room for those players that they have drafted and developed kind of speaks to volumes of I'm, either they just have no confidence and know the reality of we have nothing. And so we're just going to hold on to everything we have because we're scared to see what those youngsters can do. It's kind of alarming because you can look around. Look at the Orioles. They're calling up a new prospect every other day. And look where they're at. Or look at the Cincinnati Reds who yeah. started calling up a bunch of their young talent, bolt, um, cemented by Ellie De La Cruz. And in their last 24 games, they've gone 20 and four. They're above 500 and are now considered contenders who might buy at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Or, Meanwhile, Harold Castro is starting every day at second base. Yeah. Or, you know, other teams that are bringing up prospects just to let them know the Angels have been bringing up young guys that have been drafted fairly recently and are already playing at the big league level and, and contributing. No, they're not blowing the roof off the place, but they're they're contributing in a, in a decent manner. So why the Rockies aren't more willing to do that sort of thing of, OK, we're going to trade off these pieces that we have in some way if we can. No, because it takes two to tango. So, like, I don't know of anybody that's going to want Harold Castro, so we're kind of stuck with him <laughs> until they DFA him or something, uh, which probably won't happen this year. And so it's one of those things of what can they do? Move these guys so your youngsters can play. No, let them ride out the that last two months of the season to see what you've got to set up into the, the offseason. The Rockies have no chance of the playoffs this year. Zero. Less than zero. There's no chance. So if you have the people on the roster, they're going nowhere fast. They're not contributing anything worthwhile in terms of helping you win games and, and get better this season because they're not the future. And so ship them up, ship them off if you can. And if you can't, then eat those contracts and say, well, we appreciate you, but so long yeah, or something a, like that. In a year to. where you're not being competitive, that's the best time to do it because you look look at the Rockies. Right, they're 34 and 55. They are one of three teams in the National League who have less than 40 wins. With the Washington Nationals, who we knew were going to be bad, 
and the surprise and hilariousness that is the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm sorry. It's really funny. I'm sorry, Cardinals fans. It's the same as the Padres. The Padres being really bad this year is funny. But the Rockies are especially bad this year. They're on pace to lose 100 games. They have one of the worst winning percentages in the league. They have one of the worst run differentials in the league. They have one of the worst. Everything about this team right now is bad. And even if we hold course and say, oh, well, we still think we could be five. No, you can't. You're not going to be 500 this year when you are already 20 games below 500. Not going to happen. You're not making the playoffs. And even if you do make the playoffs, what, you think you're going to beat the Atlanta Braves? No, absolutely not. And the Atlanta Braves are the pinnacle of what the Rockies want to be, which is a draft and develop organization. You look at all the guys they have drafted and developed, uh, you know, Michael Harris, uh, the second, and Ronald Acuna Jr., and Ozzie Albies, and then they bolster it with veterans and trades. That's It's another one of those teams where it's what the Rockies should be striving to do. And it, it's like you said, you know, Skyler, even if you don't trade these guys, you can't keep them around. Like, I love CJ Crone, but if we can't get a trade for him, then you've got to DFA him or something so that Michael Tolia, Grant Levine, Alaris Montero gets playing time. Same for Harold Castro, same for Jerickson Profar. You're going to have to eat some costs. And that's what's so frustrating about this team. Or after that deadline, if they start struggling or they're really just doing nothing, and they're still on the team after the deadline. That's when you DF. If they're playing well, yeah, you can let them write out because they're playing for a contract, you know, for the next season. But if once they start, really, they have to have a short leash after that trade deadline. Of if CJ Crone goes into a just a mighty slump, you know, he's one for <laughs> one for thirty, and no home runs and like fifteen strikeouts, something like that. Yeah, you got to cut him loose. Like, hey, we appreciate what you've done, but. We're going to move in a different direction now. Um, something. But I think the moral of the story is they can't sit on their hands. Uh, and what Kenneth alluded to at the, the very beginning of this conversation. Well, they've waited too long on Crone. I mean, the the yeah. iron was hot at the trade deadline last year. Because he's been butts ever since then. He hit like 180 in the second half of last season. He had a good opening series against San Diego this year. And then he's been either hurt or mostly not very good. Um, so you're talking about basically an entire season of CJ Crone, the guy that you signed as a minor league free agent to bring him to the organization in the first place. I don't think that a lot of teams are clamoring for that. I think if there's anybody who needs a specific right-handed power bat that can DH and maybe play first, like a Seattle, maybe a uh, Philadelphia, yeah, you can probably still get somebody to take a flyer. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't want Harold Castro if I was another team. So I don't see anybody paying for that. Um, I kind of love Pierce Johnson into the same conversation, to be honest. Pierce Johnson is kind of that, you know, waiting that uh, that powder keg of a relief pitcher. Um, and so I don't want volatile, uh, you know, Craig Kimbrell. Um, you just you, you flip what you can because it's not a competitive roster, as Evan was alluding to. And it's not really shaping up to be any time in the future. I think that they're not going to see that that way, though. My whole thing is if you can still be on a 95 loss pace with all of this veteran fodder that you've brought in, then you can be on a 95 loss pace with all of the young guys that you need to give a look to. Uh You can't win with them. You can also not win without them. And so I just don't ever see them buying into it. Um, And then the other point that I want to make, 
you brought up the Angels, the Reds, and the um, Orioles specifically, and then obviously the the Braves are on their own planet with baseball right now. Uh, those were three very distinct plans that are now starting to bear fruit. Uh, the Reds completely bottomed out from 2014 to 2019, started showing some signs of life that last year was a bad year. Uh, the Orioles were notoriously like you know the worst team in baseball for essentially that same stretch. You can lump Arizona into that conversation where they just completely accumulated draft picks while yep. you know churning out 90, 100 lost seasons. I was going to um, say. The Rockies have tried to swim upstream as much as possible to not be that team. And now they're also not in a position to have such high-end talent to be bringing up to the major leagues to riding the ship. And then when you talk about the Angels, they know that they had such a condensed window to work within that they drafted major league ready players with their top selections as much as possible. That's why you have a Sam Bachman. That's why you have a Zach Nito coming in to help supplement this roster because they've just never been able to figure out the depth. Um, and now they're snake bitten and it's all for nothing. But regardless, those are all clear ideas that you can disagree, agree or disagree with, but at least that are, you you have a backstory for why these teams are now starting to show life again. Uh, the Rockies have always been uh, criticized for being so insular and not really having a clear direction. And now we're here at the tra- trade deadline where you're like, look, man, maybe we have a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches we can trade, but that's about it because we just don't. Have- <laughs> yeah, well, then great. You can have a CJ Crone. It might be a little old and there's no crust, but that's okay. <laughs> and like that's that's the Rockies have put themselves in this position. And so it's, it's their refusal to ever initiate an actual rebuild mm-hmm. and the delusion of the front office and, and Dick Monfort of we we're still competitive. Our our contention window didn't slam shut in twenty nineteen. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it did. Real hard, actually. Yeah. Brett Suter is a perfect example, if he's healthy. This was a waiver claim. This is house money. And, like, yeah, it, you see a perfect world where, okay, you clear out all this other stuff, but you know that there's a veteran backbone left-hander that can still be a guy in your bullpen. Um, there's such an easy, easy future to see where a year from now you still have Brett Suter on the roster he isn't pitching to the caliber that he did in 2023. Maybe you just locked him up to a two-year extension, and you're like, why are we even doing this? Um, this guy actually isn't that useful of a player right now. And, you know, it's not that I don't believe Brent Suter can still be a productive big league pitcher. It's because I, we just watched this happen with Daniel Bark. Like, why don't you just go ahead and move somebody on? Because, again, Brent Suter having a career year is not getting you to eight or to 500 to 82 win. 81 wins, um, much less really turning the tide to make you a playoff contender. So just flipping for something that might help when you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, it is, it really is like all the, all these other teams that initiated rebuilds, they got all of their guys through their farm system versus with the Rockies. We're starting to see some of the top prospects make it up into you know, the upper half of the farm system, you know, Yankee Fernandez up in double a um, drew Romo finally starting to figure things out with Hartford. Um, but again, and, and it's the same as last year, the farm system is so bottom heavy and, and that's just where we're at. Um, Pitching especially. Yeah. So many of our, 
our top pitching prospects. And you know, you know, we do have Gabriel Hughes who who skyrocketed through the um through the farm system this year. But you know, as always, he's the exception, not the rule. And it's it's the same with guys like Yankee Fernandez, where you're not gonna have a guy who goes Fresno Spokane Hartford in one year that often. Mm-hmm. But especially at age again, twenty. Yeah. But once again, you know, this is this is where the Rockies are at. This is who they are. You know, I'm I'm trying to be hopeful that, you know, since we already traded Mike Moustakis, that they will pull the trigger on at least a few more trades. But with how this team has operated, especially over the last few seasons, you just you just can't truly expect that. Um, and I think a lot of folks are going to be, you know, myself included, pretty disappointed at how these Rockies operate at the at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Who's the one, the one guy that you think the Rockies like will move? Gritch. I honestly think it's Brad Hand. He just seems like that's the one that like relievers are always the hot commodity, and he but he'll that good. <laughs> he has a weird contract, but there's what no way that option is going to best. There's no he way. Has a yeah. Seven million dollar option. Well, it becomes higher, a, it becomes a mutual option if he gets traded. Oh, it does. Yeah. Well, so, then it's it's, so it's a team option right now, and that becomes vesting if he finishes enough games. But he's not going to do that. But if he gets traded, it becomes a mutual option, which still gets denied probably for the 500k buyout. So yeah, it's Brad Hand plus 500 thousand. Yeah, we pay the tax for whoever does the buyout. I, uh, yeah, I mean it makes sense. I would, I would probably lean hand as well. He's just, he's kind of the odd man out. Like, I, I think the clubhouse probably loves him, and like he bought all the sweeper shirts for everybody, uh, which you can find on Breaking Tea in our partnership with, or at the partnership over at Purple Row. So go check that out. But he's kind of the odd man out, though. Of he's just kind of aloof. I always forget that. Oh yeah, they have Brad Hand type of thing so he seems kind of that just a softball of okay that's a veteran you can trade you know you don't lose a whole lot but he he's been decent in his limited capacity role of kind of being that lefty specialist in a way send him off and, and get what you can a, a prospect just something i do think that of all the position players um randall gritchick is the most likely to be traded um in some of his interviews he's talked about how he knows there's a possibility that he's going to get dealt which is um which is interesting and then you've also got the fact that he's one of these veterans um position players who's actually performing really well um where i think the rockies might see that they're getting what they consider acceptable value for him so that's my thought, at least. I do agree that that hand is probably the most likely. But if I had to, if I had to pick a position player, it's got to be Grichik. He's he's got the most value right now. And the thing to keep in mind: none of these guys are going to get you a compensation pick after the season. So get what you can for yeah. them now. Nobody's going to get offered a QO. It's it's not going to happen. But unless unless they offer one to. Randall Gritchick, like when they randomly did to Michael Kadire. And, and he Kadire still said no. rejected it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. Which got us Tyler Nevin. How'd that go? Uh, I think he's in AAA for the Tigers now. 
yeah, he's been he's been bouncing back and forth between there. He he's done really well in Triple A, but he's just not yet been able to put it together at a big league level. And I like Tyler Nevin, good guy, but man, just have a plan and execute it, Rockies. That's all we ask. No, we don't. We don't do that. Not, not not the bad plan that they have. You'll hear nothing, and then you'll hear our owner say something weird or dumb at some breakfast or luncheon event sometime in the off season that'll make the news. And then we repeat this whole thing again. You know, Shohei Otani really wanted to come play in Colorado, but uh, we, we just didn't want to pay him. All right. I'll talk about this after the all-star break, but that brings up the Ronald Acuna Jr. Thing uh, stick around for just a minute, folks. We'll be right back for, um, for more chatting uh, right after this quick ad break. Welcome back again to Affected by Altitude uh, with Evan Schuyler and Kenneth. Thanks for sticking around through that ad break. And before we get to our next segment, um, you know, Skyler, I know you're joking with, oh, Shohei Otani wanted to be here. Um, this came up in the news last week um, where Hector Gomez, um, MLB insider, um, especially with, with Latin American players, um, put out the fact that apparently back in, in 2014 for that international free agent class, the Colorado Rockies were the team that was the closest to signing Ronald Acuna Jr., um, who we now all know as the likely National League MVP for this season and the superstar for the Atlanta Braves. Um, but the Rockies apparently contacted him and said that they were going in another direction and had signed someone else, um, which eventually led Acuna to be taken by the Braves and this is something that and I want to gauge your guys opinion on this has been blown wildly out of proportion because we see this all the time you know you know who another guy we saw this with is is uh, Luis Severino the pitcher for the Yankees was also originally going to sign with the Rockies or very close to signing with the Rockies but I wrote about this a little bit on on the very swiftly dying bird site is something to keep in mind Ronald Acuna Jr. was not even considered one of the top 30 international prospects of the 2014 international free agent class. He was not one of the top 150 players that were signed in that class. And pretty much none of those top guys from that international free agent class actually panned out. I think only three or four of them made the majors in any capacity. And while, you know, the the two guys that the Rockies selected that year were not good. Uh, one of them never made it past a level ball. And one of them never made it out of the Dominican summer league. The same can be said for almost every other team. And Acuna was not a top prospect. So yes, it could have been that the Rockies could have gotten Ronald Acuna jr. And we have no idea if it would have panned out the same way as it did with Atlanta, where, you know, we could have just not developed him the same way that the Atlanta Braves had. You look at the Braves player development staff, and it's simply a better staff. They got the most out of Ronald Acuna Jr. and made him what he is today in combination with his incredible talent and dedication to the game. You have no idea if the Rockies would be able to do that. It's like um, the Broncos. Everybody wanted the Broncos. Um, in, in, in hindsight, everyone's like, oh, the Broncos should have drafted Josh Allen, who got drafted by the Bills forgetting the fact that it took Josh out about three years to get to his, his level that he's at now. And you can't trust the Broncos quarterback development staff to have done the same thing. And that's how I feel about this whole Ronald Acuna jr. Thing is that 
while yes, it's frustrating to think about of the Rockies missing out on a on a generational talent, no one had any idea that that's what Acuna was going to be back in 2014. Yeah, hindsight's 2020. It's whatever. They're they're 16-year-old kids. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, less than ideal circumstances. So it's it's always a crapshoot, and there's always so so much built into these complexes. And the system itself is also really funky, Um, and there's a lot of flipping that happens in kind of the last minute when signing opens up. But there have been years of grooming these guys in academies for each team. So it's – I don't know. It – it's one of those where you look at it and you're like, wow, that really could have changed things quite a bit for the Rockies. Uh, but you have to take it with a great assault because this is a rumor for something that happened a decade ago, practically. Um, and also, yeah, it's who who's to say the trajectory remains the same. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a little bit to see because then you can look at it and be like, hey, he really would have been helpful over this time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But... Sorry. Signing and drafting prospects, especially in baseball, is such a crapshoot. It's just a shot in the dark because you don't know how it's going to pan out. Like over on Purple Road, I just wrote about the entire history of the Rockies' first-round draft picks, mm-hmm. and they've struck out a ton. And those are guys where the infrastructure is there to have a pretty good idea of what you're getting. Yeah. This is a 16-year-old kid that's barely playing with, you know, view sports equipment, and you get two looks at and who knows what this is going to turn into. So the international side is even more of a crapshoot on that. So yeah. it's it's not one of those where I'm blaming the Rockies necessarily or even believing the rumor in the first place. Yeah, it's just one of those things I wanted to talk about really quickly because people were losing their minds over it. Yeah, well, when you're a Rockies fan, you got nothing else to talk about. I've been like, oh, we could have had Acuna? Well, then, here's another. Yeah, we could, have had a, we could have had a lot of guys, though. And that's nope. that's every team. That's every team could have had a lot of guys. Every other team that is not the Braves could have had Ronald Acuna Jr. Every team could have drafted Mike Trout. Exactly. Mike Trout what went went what twenty fifth overall. Randall Gritchick got drafted before Mike Trout. <laughs> like it's it's always going to be like that. And yes, there are some frustrating things. Like we make the joke of oh the Rockies picked Greg Reynolds over Evan Longoria. But it's the same thing of like we have no idea if we would have gotten the same production out of Longo. Yeah, that I one. Think we would have. Yeah, that one. <laughs> now that one I was bad for a lot off. of reasons. Yeah, that but one was bad for a lot of reasons. I just try and make it hurt a little less. I'm not going to lie. But over, no, overall, though, it's just people were, and I and I know that there's a lot of things to rag on for the Rockies, but this is really not one of them. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Now, on that positive weird. note, I think that brings us into the 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 time that we can actually be a lot more positive in uh, in this show, and that is that it's time to talk about the players of the month for June. It is now July. The month of June has concluded, and we get to name our players, uh, position players, pitchers, and overall MVP of the month of June. Um, for those of you who haven't heard this segment before or need a refresher, it's pretty much just that. Each of us will go through and choose our position player our um, and our pitcher of the month for the month of June. And then of the two, decide who we think our MVP is. Though Sometimes we have a wild card and we'll choose a, a different MVP than either one of those guys for whatever reason. But 
not often. It's usually we're choosing between one of those guys. Um, so month of June, Kenneth, let's start with you. Who you got? Oh, I'll go Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, you know, this was a big step up um, on the uh, the position player MVP uh, just because he was, you know, arguably um, one of the best hitters in the line. Well, not arguably, but at long stretch is the best hitter uh, in the Rockies lineup. And then he's also shown um, all of the scouting reports to be true that he is just a he's a bona fide, solid big league shortstop. So um the progression alone is very encouraging for what Tovar showed in June. And you just hope that he keeps on stepping up and up and up as the season progresses. And June was a great example of that. So he's my guy. Mm-hmm. And how about your pitcher of the month? Oh, uh, I, you know what? It's, it's not great on the pitching side of things. Uh, but I, I'm just going to show some love to Freeland as the starting pitcher. I know he had really one gut of a start in June. Um, if you're giving up six and five innings to the Dodgers at home, you're giving yourselves a chance to win. So I'm not really holding that one against him. Um, but he is really the only thing that's holding that rotation together and has been for a long stretch of time. So for him to go out and basically in four of five starts, um, either win a game for his team or give them a chance to win, that's pretty sacred ground for the way that the Rocky starting rotation has been. So I'll give him the nod for, for my June pitcher of the month. Mm-hmm. And overall, the two, your MVP? Tovar. For sure. Yeah. Um, Free, Freeland is, is cause he didn't have a great June, but it, he really is like, you're totally right. He is the only thing holding that rotation together right now. We've seen the drop off of, of chase Anderson, uh, Connor Siebold really struggled in in um, in June, and we've had in his last couple know, starts of June. Things just not looking good um, as they have been for this rotation. And you know, I know that I know that has been a little bit frustrated with his performances as well, but he is really holding things together. His one, his one really bad June start came against the juggernaut that is the Braves, where he gives up seven runs in, in yeah. four and a third. And so, first of all, the Braves have, like, they expanded the roster to put the entire Braves team onto the all-star game at this point. Um, and then he strikes out seven in five innings again with, you know, four hits allowed. The walks were a little extreme in that Dodger start. But aside from that, three runs or less with five innings or more in his three other starts. And the Dodgers one, you get some credence to. And then you understand the Braves one because the Braves are exceptional. So the Braves are the Braves. Those are all justifiable major league starts. And you just haven't gotten a lot of that. So I wouldn't even qualify it as a bad June month. The numbers aren't fantastic looking, but there's context for the two starts that kind of hold the numbers down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm going in a different direction with, with my pitcher of the month for June. Um, I have to really give it to Justin Lawrence, our line of Panama, who of every Rockies pitcher that made at least five appearances is the only one with an ERA under four um, posted an ERA of 2.63 over 12 appearances. Uh, he racked up five saves in the month of June as well um, over, you know, 13 and two thirds innings. He's been one of the most used relief pitchers in all of baseball this season. And he's just been, been really good. That sweeper is, is sweeping. 
Um, as, as I've written before, he's doing really well in high leverage situations, which made him an ideal candidate to be the closer. Um, though it does look like they're thinking about giving that position back to Daniel Bard. But uh, for for me, the the real standout in the month of June for pitching was was Justin Lawrence, and I, I know I'm biased because I love the guy, but really of of all all the numbers for all the pitchers in this team, you know, Justin Lawrence was, in my opinion, the best. And then um, player of the month, I think we're probably going to be unanimous here. Uh, I am also going with Ezekiel Tovar just to dive into just how he how good he was in the month of June. Uh, he had an OPS of 885, slashing 323, 333, 552, led the team in both home runs and um, sorry, in home runs with five and had the second most RBIs with 17, uh, as well as hitting five doubles and a triple. Um, Tovar really, really was fantastic in the month of June. Uh, honorable mention to Nolan Jones and Ryan McMahon, who were both also very good in June. Mm-hmm. That's as good. Skyler, what about you? Um, pretty much the same with you, Evan. Uh, Tovar for Player of the Month, and then Lawrence for Pitcher, and then Tovar Tovi as the as the MVP for the month. But uh, yeah, it's just been nice to see all season. Just the the growth for Tovar and just evolving and learning and growing and getting the opportunities to be able to do that. Something that for some reason the Rockies won't do with some other guys on the roster of giving them just those opportunities to work through their kinks and, and figure it out at the big league level. Montero. <clears throat> uh, but but it's the one thing I will say with Tovar, he just I want to see more walks from him. I just want to see those walks get better. Two walks in the month of June to 23 strikeouts. So yeah, he, he's been making contact and he's still aggressive and early in counts and, and hitting the ball and that's working out for him. But at some point he's got to develop that plate discipline and draw more walks uh, to just kind of equalize out because we know he's got some speed and he only has a couple of stolen bases. And that's one aspect of, of his game. I think could be improved is just improving his on base skills in any way, shape or form to get on base to make him even better. But right now he's in a good spot and getting better you now for his, his first full big league season. So props to him and everything. And then yeah, with Lawrence, just that anchor there in that bullpen when we've seen guys kind of have volatile seasons and go through really bad stretches. Lawrence has been pretty solid most season and in June, taking over as a closer, he, he's in a role that we've seen him kind of be primed for. It's nice to see him kind of deliver on the goods and sweeping away the nation. My question for you, since we were for y'all, since we were just talking about the trade deadline earlier, if someone came out and gave a offer for Justin Lawrence, yes, would you take it? I mean, depending on the offer, obviously. Yeah. If I'm if I'm getting an Emerson Hancock for a Justin Lawrence, yes. It it has to be somebody who has at minimum near big league ready middle of the rotation profile. Yeah. Because you still have a possibility of being able to sell Justin Lawrence, trade Justin Lawrence, I should say, in the next two or three years with even more value. You know, so um, it, it it comes at a premium. But yes. 
Like, and this is a far jump down, but when you're talking about controllable players that you could also flip, I think with Montero, you can create a little bit of clarity on the situation that's going on with him in first base by being able to move him. Yeah. Maybe it's a prospect for prospect, but yeah, I absolutely entertain those ideas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Montero is one of the guys who I entertain a little bit more just because this team has really showed that they're not really willing to give him the playing time that he needs. And if you're not going to do that, then you might as well recoup some value. Um, especially when for all the other pieces of the trade that, that Montero came to this team on, almost all of them are gone at this point. So, Or have been terrible. Uh, Nolan Jones really deserves a lot of credit for his June. Like I know yeah. you gave him the special nod, but what you know, I, I talked about Ezekiel Tovar having that step up in his development. This was kind of the Nolan Jones breakout party month. He uh-huh. just crushed all five of his home runs came in the month. Pretty much most of his playing times come in the month, but he's showing a lot. Um, we talk about the plate discipline. Thirteen walks led the team for the month. He hit some absolute tank jobs. Um, stole five bases. He showed he showed a lot of different tools. and abilities over the month of June while also having extremely good production. So, um, you know, Tovar is so much of the Rockies future is, is attached to Tovar, but Nolan Jones really kind of showed, Hey, this, this could be a dude. And, and June proved it at the major league level. So he deserves a lot of uh, love for his, it it also shows that if, if Bill Schmidt, can can work up the courage to execute trades and if he's allowed to do so like this was a good trade for the rockies you know i was i was bummed to see juan brito go i loved juan brito as a prospect but nolan jones is what like just turned 25 recently is showing himself as an incredibly talented and toolsy player at the big league level where you know this could be a solid piece of this team for the future for the foreseeable future and it all came because the Rockies were willing to execute a trade. Uh-huh. Doesn't come around off the Haley's Comet of the Rockies actually trading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely, though. Nolan Jones was great. Man, some of those home runs, he left a dent in those balls, like just mm-hmm. absolutely crushed them. Yeah. He's a gigantic man that hits the ball very hard. Uh-huh. And he's like, with, with Tovar, he has the walks, and like, if he is like looking at their stats in June. They're like neck and neck with a lot of things. And it's like if if Tovar can increase that on base percentage, uh, we're sitting pretty with those two, even more so. Yeah. It's if Jones only had, that Jones could Jones had a four thirteen on base percentage in June. Mm-hmm. Now, if only he could be playing every day in the outfield instead of as of recording here on this Saturday, he's not in the starting lineup. Who's in? Let me guess. Bryant's Bryant's in right field, then Crone at first base. Yes. That's the thing. Is like, and they keep calling um, Nojo an, an infielder, a talented infielder, but he's really shown that he can make the outfield so much better. No, it's Grichik in right field, and Bryant DH. He might get squeezed out in, in the big picture, and I think he'll be good at first base. I don't think third base is really an option. And I'm tired of them trying to fit the square peg in the round hole at third base overall. Um, yeah. If you, you sign McMahon long-term, leave McMahon at third base. He's your yeah. third baseman. But also, yeah, there's a realistic possibility of Doyle 
Veen, and take your pick of Beck, Fernandez, uh, Benny Montgomery. Like, there's there's some outfield talent that goes in there. And, yeah, maybe Nolan Jones in a year and a half, two years from now has a cannon in right field. But if he's a competent first baseman and answers the problem and, you know, shows that he's the clear leader of the pack from him, Montero, Tolia, that's fine, too. Teach him how to play second base. Yeah, that will go well. Teach him how to catch. I want to see Teach a left-handed pitch. Yeah. Hey, we've already seen both Alan Trejo and Harold Castro pitch multiple times this season, which shows you just how good this rotation has been. It's a miracle yeah. when you can get through five innings. Oh, man. It's a miracle when the- we can get through four innings. Let's be Let's be real with that. My goodness. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves broke the rotation. What was already broken, they broke it just yeah. even more pulverized. It was uh, it was not pretty, but just you know, destroyed all confidence anybody had. At the very at the very least, we've guys like Tovar and Jones and and Justin Lawrence who are are giving us something to watch because, like we've all we've all said, this is that it is way more. I don't want to say fun, but it's it's way more watchable when your team is bad to be watching the kids who give you hope for the future over, you know, Mike Moustakis and Harold Castro and CJ Krohn and Jerks and Profar. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think that's going to about do it for us here today at Affected by Altitude. I want to thank you all for listening. Um you can always check us out on Rocky Mountain Rooftops, some of our other shows like that. But Kenneth, where can the people find you at? I am on Twitter at KDub1988. And then you can find me on Purple Row, typically on Mondays with my rock piles and the Pebble Report. Nice. Awesome. Skylar, how about you? Find me on the Twitters at sideline underscore crowd. And you can find me on threads, the not Twitter uh, over at same thing, sideline underscore crowd. And hopefully they'll have chronological timelines soon. I I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, you can find me at, at Evan underscore Lang on both uh, Twitter and threads. I would love to hear from you. I'm also on uh, Blue Sky Social, which is Evan Lang 27 uh, dot BSKY dot social. Um, and then you can find me right in the Thursday Rock Piles over on www.purplerow.com. Lots of great content on Purple Row. We strongly encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. Uh, you can also get the official Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. And we would love to hear from you there as well. Um, if you see it, uh, we have a thing out there for our uh, an upcoming mailbag where we would love to get some questions from listeners. Um to answer in an upcoming episode. So go ahead and submit those. You can also do that in the comments here on the Purple World website. Um, if you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your other favorite podcasting platform, please go ahead and, um, if you can, rate us five stars, leave a comment or review on what you like about the show. We love to see that kind of thing, and it helps the show grow. And also, fun fact, I no longer have poopy internet, folks. So... We can hopefully maybe do some more stuff. Let us know what you'd want to see, whether it's like some live streams, live shows. What players we should try to get on here. 
Yeah. Skyler finally has real internet after two years of doing this show. He may be ruining Twitter, but Elon Musk's internet is okay. It's because he doesn't have anything to do with the daily operations. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> don't, the same. don't let him know that, Evan. He's listening. <laughs> but yeah, we, we'd love to uh, just figure out some more fun stuff to do. Even if it's me doing a morning show, we'll just start ripping off John Boy stuff. I would love to, you know, I would love to get more Rockies content on, um, is it Mosher Lombardi and Kane on altitude in the mornings? Come on. It's baseball season. Talk about baseball. Have us on the show. Hey, if you're listening, have us on the show. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Thank you so, so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Uh, let's have both Skyler and Kenneth hit them with it at the same time. Three, two, one. Farewell. 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 Sell the team. That was perfect. Don't encourage them, Skylar. <laughs>